Wow. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Oh, th- oh, thank you, Alex. You're the best. You're the best, Alex. Seriously. Um, man, I, I just want to speak on behalf of both Pastor Christian and myself. We're so excited to be here. And uh, it's so amazing to see so many of the prayers that have been sown into this ministry just in fruition. And um, as you guys know, you know, church isn't just a building. It's about the people. And so each of you that are here present today, uh, you know, you guys are an answer to prayer. And so, um, yeah, I'm so happy to be here with you guys. I love coming to Australia. I love Sydney in particular uh, because I love eating. And um, I think those two go very hand in hand. Uh, and so far, we have, have had such a really good time being here. We, as soon as we landed, we uh, uh, went to a conference hosted by Tim, Co- Tim Keller, and it was about church planting, and so it just worked out well. And we've been doing that for the past three days, and so, yeah, it's been really good so far, and we're really excited to be here with you today. Uh, so as Pastor Paul introduced, my name is Erin. And uh, as you guys can tell by my accent, since I'm the one with the accent here, uh, I'm from uh, America. I was born and raised in New York. And um, yeah, I want to share with you guys a word that's very, very, very dear to my heart. And uh, I believe that this particular scripture has been somewhat of a life verse for me and has been kind of um, as important as just as a compass or, you know, in today's time, a GPS in my life that has continued to guide me day by day and season by season. And I'm really excited to share this with you guys, especially in this year of wisdom. And as we are about to launch our, uh, officially our service next week, I thought, okay, this would be a really good, powerful foundational word that we can all stand on as we uh, move forward. And so what I want you guys to do is I want you to open up your Bibles to Proverbs. And we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to eight. Proverbs chapter three, verses five to eight. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the ESV version, but you guys can read from whatever version you have. Um, Let's just read it together. I'll count to three, starting from verse five, all the way to verse eight. Here we go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Now, I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes for a moment. I want to reread this scripture to you. And as I do that, I just want you to understand and believe that the very word of God is alive and is living. It has power. And I just want every word to just kind of resonate in your heart today as we start this service. Word of God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Let me just pray for us. Father, we just thank you for your word. And God, we thank you that you have given us reason after reason to trust in you. And we pray that today 
every place where there has been a hurdle or an obstacle to give that trust with all of our heart. May that fall down to the ground. And may we walk out of this service. May we walk out after listening to your word free and alive. Father, we just thank you that you're doing a powerful work here in Sydney and here in our congregation. We just worship you. We exalt you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this verse, um, series of verses, is actually what brought me to Korea. Uh, I don't know if you guys know my story, but I'll just share a little bit of it. Uh, when I was in college, I was a bit of a wild child. I don't know. I was wild, I guess. Um, I was saved when I was 12, but by the time I hit university, or as you guys call it, uni, I pretty much decided to do my own thing. And so I turned to alcohol, I turned to drugs, uh, I turned to men, I turned to objects, stealing, um, I turned to all sorts of things. I was living La Vida Loca. Do you guys know Ricky Martin here? Okay. I don't even know if people know Ricky Martin in the States anymore, but I was living a wild life. And um, towards the latter half of my uh, college um, days, I remember starting to feel the ache that uh, of just dissatisfaction. And you know, God has always spoken to me through dreams. And I had this reoccurring dream in uni that I was driving a car. It's always the same dream, maybe a different car or a different scene, but it's the same dream, driving a car and the brakes wouldn't work. And so all of a sudden as I'm driving, it just, the the, the car would go out of control. And it's my whole dream is me panicking, trying not to hit people, trying not to hit the pole, trying not to run into a tree. And it, it, every time I would wake up, I would just sigh with relief because the whole dream, I would be so anxious. And I think during that time, it was like a perfect description of what my life was like. It was pretty much out of control. It started off with me making these decisions of wanting to do this and wanting to do that. Uh, but slowly but surely, those decisions that I made started to have control over me. Uh, and I was addicted to drugs. I was addicted to finding satisfaction in, in men and in, in all sorts of things. And, and towards the end of, as soon as I graduated, well, okay. Okay, so as soon as I thought I graduated, and I'll give you guys a little bit more detail with that, I, I started to really feel the heaviness of how dissatisfied I was with my life and the emptiness and everything that I thought would fill me. It just, it, it wasn't doing it. And I, I started to really feel God call me back to him. And as I was turning my life, as God was turning my life back to him, he was giving me this, these very verses and I began to really meditate and hold on to this kind of like a lifeline as I was going through this roller coaster of turning back to God. And uh, as I started to pursue God more, I decided to go on uh, missions and to Africa because that's like what you do, you know, when you turn your life back to God. It's like, let's go to Africa, which is what I did. I decided to go to Africa for Uganda and Rwanda for about one week uh, in each um, country. And... Uh, at, before I went, I needed a job. I know a lot of you guys are facing that right now, but I was like desperate for a job. And the, the question that you get when you graduate uni is like, so what are your plans? 
Like, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And I, I never knew how to answer that. And I would always get so stressed out. The idea was to become a teacher, but I wasn't sure. And, and I just was so insecure about everything. I had nothing to hold on to except this very verse. And I, I remember about two weeks before going to Africa, I got a call from my uncle. And he tells me that he had a, a job lined up for me. And it was to teach English in Korea. And, and, you know, to be honest, I was a little bit disappointed, you know. I was like, man, I don't want to go to Korea. <laughs> I, I never enjoyed being in Korea before then. And to me, it looked like a, like a step back. Like I was looking at my friends that were doing more successful and more respectable things. But I was like, oh, teaching in Korea sounds like such a cop-out. Like it, it just seemed – I wasn't excited about it, but, but I was desperate. And, you know, desperation is a – it's a very powerful thing. And so I just, I called, I got this interview, and I found out that I had to go to Korea before, uh, I had to go to Korea at the same time I was going to do missions. So it was kind of like a, an issue. Um, and long story short, they were so desperate for a teacher because a bunch of people, their paperwork didn't work out, that they didn't care. They're like, you know what, just go on your mission trip and come back whenever. You know, come to Korea whenever. And I was like, all right, awesome. And so they just hired me on the spot, on the phone. And I was kind of wondering what to do with that and uh, not sure whether Korea was a place to go. Uh, but what ended up happening was I, I decided, you know, just to trust in God. And I um, thought, okay, if God, if you opened up this door, let me just walk through it. And as I was preparing my paperwork, I called my university asking where my diploma was. And how come it hadn't been sent to my home? And as I called, I remember talking to the administrator of my uni. And she was like, I'm sorry, ma'am, what's your name again? I was like, Erin Lee. She goes, hmm. Um, it seems as though you haven't graduated. And I was like, what? She goes, well, it looks like you were four credits shy of graduation. And I'm like, excuse me? And she goes, yeah, let me look at your transcript. Ah, yes, here is a class that you took your sophomore year, and you never completed it, and it turned into an immediate F. And therefore, those were the four credits you needed to graduate. You didn't graduate. I'm like, listen, I wore the cap and the gown. My parents drove up to my, you know, university. I walked the walk, and she goes, well, you can walk the walk with at least eight credits shy. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? Like, forget Korea. I didn't graduate college. Like, can you imagine? I, I'm Korean ethnically, and, like, education is everything. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I got to tell my parents that I – just kidding, mom and dad. You know, I, I didn't graduate. I'm freaking out. I, I'm, like, seriously having a nervous breakdown. And what was interesting is, remember I told you I had reoccurring dreams? I, I dream a lot. And the dream that I had was one out-of-the-control car. The second dream that I had was always getting an F getting my report card and getting an F. I've had that dream, I kid you not, no less than 10 times, different versions of it. And I always wake up like sweating and thinking, oh, it was just a dream. No, it wasn't a dream, guys. It was reality. I got an F. I was four credit shy of graduation. I was so stressed out. I didn't know what to do. And I remember God just reminding me of this verse. Just trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Um. Long story short, God did a miraculous thing. I'll tell you guys, um, in, in, in very cliff note version, I emailed my professor of that class. This was like three, four, three years ago. She 
And I went to morning prayer the next morning, crying out to the Lord in desperation. And I told my parents who were livid, like, you're a fool. Like, <laughs> who does that? Who doesn't know they graduated? I'm like, I don't know. I was too high on drugs. I never saw my advisor in uni. And so that's probably why I had no idea. Uh, but I emailed my professor. I went to early morning prayer. And I thought, okay, God, you're making it clear I'm not supposed to go to Korea. You, you shut that door. And a couple of hours later, I get an email from my professor saying, Aaron, I have all of your records. You were supposed to be- get a B in that class, but you wanted an A. But you never completed that assignment, and she left to teach abroad. So we never followed up. So I went into the office on your behalf, and I changed your grade from an F to a B. Congratulations, you graduated. And I was like, what? Like, what are the chances that she had everything lined up? And I just knew that it was God taking it away from me. And just kind of like miraculously giving me back as if I had any doubt left. He was saying, Korea is for you, you know, and, and it was just supernatural. It was powerful. I, I, you know, cried to my mom, just kidding on my graduated and she's shaking her head. Fool. Uh, but this is the verse that I, I held on to. And um, I, this is also the verse that Pastor Christian held on to when he came to Korea. But I'll let him tell a story another time. Yeah. Um, and so what I want to do is I want to dig deep in this verse. Because we talk about trusting in the Lord all the time, but it's easy to say, much harder to do. And I want to talk about what it means, what, what is God commanding us to do when it means to trust in him with all of our hearts? What does trust actually look like? And, and how can we walk in that trust continuously? So let's look at the first verse here in verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Everybody say, all your heart. You know, that word trust in Hebrew, what it actually means is to be confident to be bold, to be secure, be confident in the Lord. That's what scripture is saying. Be bold in the Lord, be secure in the Lord. I'm wondering where we find our security, where we find our confidence. Where do we find our boldness? Is it actually in the Lord? Let me confess. There are many times where I feel like I find more of my confidence in my, you know, in the way that I look or my education or my finances. A good question to ask is not where is our confidence, but what would make you feel less confident if it was taken away? What would make you feel insecure if it was taken away? What are you standing on? What makes you bolder? Have you not experienced boldness? It says here, trust in the Lord. The Lord is called to be that foundation of our confidence, our boldness, our security. It doesn't just stop there. It says, with all of your heart. And, you know, when we think about that word heart, it's like way too much tied in with romantic songs and love. And, oh, follow your heart. And, and that's not what it is. Heart is not equivalent to emotions. It's just a small part of your heart. Your heart is your mind, will, and emotions. You know, Tim Keller, this past conference we went to, he said, your heart is the seat of your commitment. So trust in the Lord, not only with all of your mind, with all of your will, with all of your emotions, but God is saying, trust in the Lord committed. Are you committed to trust in me with all things? It's not to trust in him today and then tomorrow have a nervous breakdown. It's not to trust in him for this week and then the next when some crisis happens, have anxiety and let fear overwhelm you. God is talking about having a commitment to trust in him. 
This is not just a suggestion, guys. The word of God is commanding us to do so, to trust in the Lord. It's not easy. It's a high order. It's a high call. What does trust, how does that play out? Let's look at the following verse. It says, do not lean on your own understanding. Do not depend. Do not support yourself on your own understanding. In other words, don't trust your own perception. Don't trust your own perspective. You know, when I got that, uh, sorry, but you didn't graduate. I mean, the perspective was, okay, this is bad situation. Like, this is a crisis moment. I don't know what I'm going to do. My future, I was thinking about going to summer school and, and trying to make up and just the shame and, and the guilt. And uh, no, the better word is embarrassment that, like, you know, waved over me that I didn't do my dutiful part as a Korean person, you know, to excel in education. I was leaning on my own perspective to see what was going on and how it was going to play out. God is calling us not to lean on what we see. Not to lean on what we understand about what we see. What do we have to do? It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Everybody say, in all your ways, acknowledge him. You know that word acknowledge in the Hebrew is yada. And I don't know if you guys know what yada means, but it's the most intimate form of knowing someone. In other ways, uh, Strong's Accordance says to perceive and see to know by experience. I'll tell you how intimate that word yada is. When Adam and Eve made love or when they had sex, it said that Adam knew Eve or in Hebrew, Adam yada Eve. It's intimate knowing. It's not just about acknowledging God, God, you're here. God, I know that you're with me. It's an intimacy it's a knowing from intimacy that God is calling us to. In all of your ways, in every direction that you're facing, are we knowing God? Are we seeing him? Are we perceiving that he is with us, that he is for us, that he's on your side? Isaiah 43, 19 says this, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The problem is we have a perceiving issue. We don't see, we don't perceive. We get so caught up in looking at the crisis, looking at the test, looking at the shaking that we forget to perceive that God is with us, that he is for us and that he loves us. We have to acknowledge him in all of our ways, not just when it comes to church things. Not when it comes to just reading scripture, I'm talking about every aspect of your life, every relationship that you have. Are you acknowledging God in those relationships? The result of that scripture says is, and he will make paths. He will make your paths straight. Right, lawful, level, straight. Here's the problem. The problem is we pray to God. God, we want to do your will. God, can you make this happen? And when it doesn't happen the way that we want it, we think that God has abandoned us. We think, man, God, I tried this trust in you thing and it doesn't work out because I trusted you for this and this didn't happen on my behalf. Well, Pastor Erin, good for her. You know, she trusted in you when she, you know, didn't graduate and you worked miraculously within hours. But what about me? And what about my situation? I pray to you continually and still I haven't seen you answer my prayer. 
I'm still not walking that straight path. You know, the thing about straight, that word straight is it's perception. Who, according to who is, is it straight? You know, when you hang up a picture, you want to make it straight. And often you can see two people, you know, you can get two people to help you out. And someone say, oh, to the left, to the right, to the left, to the right. To me, it's going to look straight when you do it this way to another person another way. It's not until you get a level, you know, one of those little things where you put on top of the picture and there's that little water bit in the middle. And when that water is leveled, you realize, okay, this is straight. That level dictates this is what's straight and this is what's not. What we have to stop doing is using our perception to say, I'm on the straight path or I'm not. I'm walking in the will of God or I'm not. No, it's got to be God's word. And who he is that needs to be that level in our lives. We can't trust in ourselves. We can't trust in our own understanding without God. He will make your path straight. You guys, it says that he will, not you. Sometimes we put that responsibility on ourselves. God, I need to make my path straight. No, God is saying, I'm going to do it. All you're responsible for is trust in me. That's it. Trust in me. And I will make your paths straight. If we continue, it says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. You know that word fear, to revere, to stand in awe. The way that I describe fearing the Lord is when you fear nothing else, you fear the Lord. If you're afraid of man, you're not fearing God. If you're afraid of your circumstances, you're not fearing God. If you're afraid of what people are going to think about you, you're not fearing God. But when you fear God, all these other things do not matter because your reverence, your honor, your eyes are upon the Lord. To fear God is to fear nothing else. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. And if we continue, it says, and turn away from evil. Everybody say, turn away from evil. You know, when we think evil, we think just straight up wickedness, which is true. That, that is what this word is saying. But if you look at the Hebrew definition of this word, Hebrew has a couple of other descriptive words, some of which are unhappiness, misery, sadness, comparison, vicious and disposition. Isn't that interesting that these words would be constituted as evil? But God is saying, turn away from your misery. Turn away from your sadness. Turn away from your comparison to others. Turn away from these things. Turn away from evil. To turn away, it means to literally change directions. You go from one direction and you pop a U-turn. Is it, do Ozzy say U-turn? You pop a U-turn. And you're turning in the complete opposite direction. You need to turn. We need to come to an end. In essence, what this is saying is repentance. Proverbs 123 says this, if you turn at my reproof, or another word for that is correction, I will pour out my spirit to you and I will make my words known to you. Trust in the Lord. Okay, we get it. We're supposed to trust. And we're supposed to be confident in God. Okay, I get it, Pastor Aaron. What's the benefit? The benefit is this. Look what scripture says. It will be healing to your body and refreshment 
to your bones. This is both physical and spiritual. That word body in Hebrew also means umbilical cord. Now stay with me. It's strange. It means navel. It will be healing to your umbilical cord. What does that mean? Well, if you guys understand what happens when babies are born, usually you'll see them attached to their umbilical cord. And what the purpose of that umbilical cord was for sustenance. This is how the baby was fed. This is how the baby grew. This is how the baby continued to walk and have life is through that umbilical cord. This is the connection that that baby has from the mother. Of course, that changes when the baby is born, but it signifies a connection that you and I are called to continuously have with God. He needs to be our sustenance. It will be healing to that connection. What I see is it will be healing to your relationship with God when we trust in him. And it would also be healing to your physical body because did you know that anxiety and stress is is like the number one killer? When you are stressed out and anxious, it affects your physical body and diseases and sickness will manifest. And it will be refreshment to your bones. To me, when I read this, I thought this was so bizarre. Like, what do bones have to do with anything? And the NIV says, this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. What I forgot in biology was that bones or the marrow in your bones is where red blood cells, white blood cells, all of that is created. The bones is literally where life-giving cells are created. It's, it's an example, an illustration of life itself. Refreshment to your life. Healing to your relationship with God. Healing to your physical body. And refreshment to your life. You know, bone marrows are so important that people who have terminal illnesses, what you might resort to is a bone marrow transplant. And if you successfully transplant your bone marrow from a healthy to an unhealthy to a person, it can completely save their life. That's how crucial bone marrow actually is. God is saying that same importance in our spiritual walk and physical body comes. It's a benefit when we trust in the Lord. We're called to trust in him. Turn to your neighbor and say, trust in God. Trust in him. So what keeps us from trusting in God? Let's talk about that. We know we're supposed to trust in God with all of our heart. That he's supposed to be our confidence in everything. He's supposed to be the reason why we're bold. You know what that means? Because God is unchanging. That means your confidence should be unchanging. If God is the reason for your confidence or your boldness or your security, you should never feel insecure. Because God is always with you. Psalm 23, what it says, what does it say? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God, you are with me. If you believe that, then we should always feel secure. We should never feel anxious. We should never be afraid. But let's be real here. Don't we get scared sometimes? Don't we hit moments of anxiety? Don't we hit moments where we don't feel secure in our life, whether it's because of finances or because of our family situation, then what, what keeps us from trusting in God? The first thing is that we trust in what we see. When we look at what is seen, it hinders our ability to trust God. You know, when I started preaching, I mean, I'm a woman preaching, and I know that we've made strides and all of that, and, and, you know, there is now 
um, a lot of women preachers, still in a lot of conservative circles, it's not very acceptable. And so I remember going on missions and I would go to different countries and when I would tell them that I'm the preacher, people would give me all sorts of reactions. The first time was when I went to Manipur, India and, and they whole time were like, where's your husband? Where's your husband? I was like, he's in the Philippines. Sorry, I'm here. I'm the preacher. And they're like, okay, where's your husband? And I remember uh, when I went to Cambodia, by the way, when we went to India, they let me preach. There was three nights that I was supposed to be preaching. When they found out that it was me, a woman, they took two nights away and said, you can preach the first night. And then, oh, it was two nights I was supposed to preach. Mark, Pastor Marcus was with me. He was supposed to preach one. When they saw me, they're like, you know what? Why don't you just preach the first night? And then Pastor Marcus will preach. And they looked down on him, too, because he was young and he didn't have any seminary degree. And they're like, and one of our guys, they'll, they'll finish the conference. They'll end. Well, the first night went so powerfully that I got a phone call in the middle of the night and saying, you know what? Why don't you finish the service? Why don't you finish the conference? I was like, all right, no problem. I sound cool now, but I was freaking out during that time, calling my husband like, oh, what do I do? But I remember I went to Cambodia, and I, I was the set preacher. And I met with the pastor of the church. I was preaching at a Sunday service. And I went to extend my hand, and I was like, hi, I'm going to be preaching today. And I remember he took one look at my hand, one look at me, and he turned away. And he went straight to the team leader who was a gentleman and was, like, shaking his hand. And I remember, like, being shocked. And, and every part of me just wanted to be like, you know what? You know, throw, <laughs> throw the table. I'm like, I'm out of here. You just lost a great speaker. And, you know, just walk out. But I remember I, I asked for a private room. I sat in the private room. And to be honest, I was shaken, you know, because it was clear to me that they did not want me to preach. They didn't respect who I was. They had, didn't respect what I was carrying. And I sat there in that room thinking, God, what do I do? What do I do? These people don't, they've never seen a woman preach before. They're not even going to listen to what I have to say. How do I respond? Everything in the natural looked like this was going to go downhill. Like this is a bad situation. Like you need to abort, get out, make someone else preach. But as I sat there, just remembering okay, my confidence cannot be in how people perceive me. I can't, I can't allow my boldness and my confidence and my security, I can't give that responsibility to someone else. Otherwise, it's, you know, people want me to preach. They don't care. You know, I'm a woman. How dare you to, that's great. You know, if, if I trust in something that's continuously changing, my security will always be up and down. But I sat there and said, God, you have to be the reason for my boldness. You have to be the, I don't care what these people think about me. I don't care if they don't listen. I don't care if they turn their back when I preach. I'm going to go up there because I know you call me to preach today at this service, at this church, and I'm going to preach powerfully. So I got up, I preached, and it was powerful. I like to say that because, you know, I'm describing it, but no, it was an awesome time. And at the end, all the pastors got up, stood, and shook my hand one by one. Thank you, pastor. Thank you, pastor. Thank you, pastor. See, when we trust just in what we see, things are going to fall apart. If I were to just trust in people, and if I were to trust in people's perceptions, I would have no ground, no place to stand on. If I were to trust my finances when, when I don't have money, then what? Are we, are we not susceptible to, to different things, different circumstances happening in our life? 
When things go well, we're confident and we're bold. When things are going our way, we're secure. What happens when things don't go our way? It's not straight according to us. Then if we lean on what not, what isn't God, then we're going to up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, and struggling continuously with anxiety and fear. Now, God wants you and I to live a life where we're set in boldness, where we walk in a boldness and a confidence that's unshakable. Who are you confident in? Who is it? Or what are you confident in? Tonight, God is saying, be confident in me. Be confident in who I am. When we trust the things that are seen, what we're trusting, in, according to Scripture, is in what is temporary. Scripture says what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. Guys, we got to, as believers, as Christians, we have access to an incredible God who never changes who's never shaken, who's not afraid or intimidated by your circumstances, who sees your situation and isn't like, oh, no, what am I going to do? No, he is unmoved and unfazed. No problem. Nothing is impossible for him. And we can hold that same amount of confidence and swag when we trust in him. The second thing that keeps us from trusting in God is our disappointment. Like I said, some of us have trusted in God. I did it, but I've been disappointed. I trusted God for admission for this uni. I didn't get in. Or I trusted God for a breakthrough in my family, and I don't see any. In fact, it's just getting worse. I trusted God for a job, and every place I go to, they're rejecting my application. When we begin to go head on with disappointment, there's a testing of our trust in the Lord. It becomes an obstacle. What do we do? God, I think I'm doing the right thing. I'm, I'm praying the right prayer. I'm saying the right thing. I am trusting in you, but it's not working out. You know, one thing that the devil wants to do, his, one of his top priorities in our life is to get us to question God's goodness. He's constantly wanting us to question God's goodness. God, are you even, do you even care? Are you even with me? Are you, do you even love me? If you love me, how come this isn't happening? If you love me, why isn't these, how come these prayers aren't being answered? There's this temptation to think that God is almost withholding something from us. Oh, here's your breakthrough. No, no, no. No, Michael, you can't get this. You know, like as if he's purposely trying to, you know, mess with us. This is the very thing that Adam and Eve believed. You see, Adam and believed, Adam and Eve lived in a perfect world. There was no sin. There was no lack. There was nothing. And here comes Satan in snake form. Actually, I don't know if he had feet. It said that is. Anyway, walking or whatever snakes did before they got cursed, you know, coming in snake form and telling Adam and Eve, did God really say? Did God really say? And Eve answers saying, okay, God told us that we cannot eat of the fruit or even touch it from this tree or else we will die. And Satan plants this one very particular and key seed. He says, oh, no, that's not true. Because if you eat it, you will be like God. What Satan was saying is God's holding out on you. You see that tree? That's where, that's where it's at. And he's withholding his best from you. 
And in order to get the best, don't follow what he says. Do it on your own accord. Do what you want to do the way that you want to do it, and you'll get the best. He planted this seed that God's goodness was questionable. And when we face disappointment, we hit that same wall. God, are you good? We ask ourselves that same question. Are you for me? Are you with me? Are you faithful? What I want to tie you guys back to today, no matter what disappointment you faced, is yes, he is good. You know, God's goodness can't be founded. The foundation can't be in our answered prayers. His goodness can't be founded on on a good day or a bad day or, you know, whatever, circumstances. God's goodness is founded simply in what he did by giving his very own son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. That goodness is unshakable. It's irrevocable. God first loved us when we didn't even care for him. When we weren't even looking for God, he pursued you and I. If that's not proof of his goodness, I don't know what is. And that revelation of the cross needs to be the the place that we stand on every single day as reason to believe, God, you're good and you're always good. Was my prayer answered today? No, it's okay, God, you are good and you are always good. Did this breakthrough happen the way that I wanted to? No, it didn't, but it doesn't matter because, God, you are good and you are always good. The foundation that we stand on is not our relationship post the cross. It's the cross itself. When we trust in God in that way, when we look to the cross in that way, man, our our belief in God's goodness would be unshakable. When you think about trust, you think, man, you need to prove your trust to me. Let me ask you, did God not prove himself? Was sending his only son on the cross for our sins not proof enough that he's a trustworthy God, that he loves you, that he's for you, that he knows the plans that he has for you, plans to prosper you, to give you hope in a future, not to harm you? This is where we got to stand because it's going to get questioned day in and day out. To trust God is not one decision we make and then we forget about it. We have to daily make that choice. God, today I trust in you. Tomorrow, I trust in you. This doesn't happen. It doesn't matter. I stand here and I trust in you. Every part of our sinful nature is trying to refute or resist this. Every part. We're constantly taught we got to trust in what we see. We got to trust. But listen, trusting God is not positive thinking. It's not about, you know, thinking good thoughts or looking in the mirror and saying, you know, I'm great and today's going to be a great day and and it's not about the mantras you speak over yourself it's supernatural grace that allows us to trust in god it's faith it's so hard to trust according to our own willpower do i i can wholeheartedly agree with that statement you know at the beginning of 2013 i had gotten pregnant and and pregnancy was something that i had been contending for for a very long time And um, I knew, not that I knew, but I was always told by doctors that I would have trouble in in this category. And so um, I remember we had gotten pregnant, and it was like a supernatural thing. And we shared with the whole leadership of the church, and everybody was so excited. And, you know, rubs your belly and, you know, all this stuff. But, But long story short, that pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. But in between the, the pregnant to the miscarriage, I was trusting in the Lord trusting in God, God, you're going to, 
you're going to, this is going to end well. I'm going to see this baby. This baby's going to be in my arms. I, I prayed the prayers. I, I believed in scripture. I knew that God was a God that heals, but it ended in a miscarriage. It didn't go according to the way that I thought it was supposed to go. And my trust in the Lord came into question. I was severely disappointed. Let me be real here. The, the disappointment was, like, tangible. But I, I remember just praying and God just asking me, in the midst of just feeling the disappointment, do you still trust me? And I thought, man, let me let me think about that for a second. And as I sat and I thought, I was just reminded of what God has done. Not just every prayer that was answered um, after becoming a Christian, but how I even became a Christian. God just reminded me of the grace that I experienced on the cross, and how can I refute that? What do, what do you say to that? God, that wasn't good enough? The moment I remembered the joy of my salvation, I knew the answer was easy. God, of course I trust you. There's no question in your goodness. And, you know, we're still contending for pregnancy. And I'm still trusting God for it. You know, I went through a miscarriage, but it doesn't, that will not shake my trust in the Lord. No, no matter what the disappointment is, no matter what unanswered prayer or when, when things don't turn out the way that you want it, when the foundation is the gospel message, we're unmoved. This is powerful. This is powerful because God is constantly calling us to stay in that place. And the devil is constantly wanting us to lure, to lure us out of that place of trust. He wants to bring you to a place of insecurity, of timidity, of fear. But God is saying, I've done everything already for you to be confident. I want you guys to turn with me to first Peter. And I haven't cried preaching in a long time. You know, the first, uh, like, 20 messages I ever preached, I cried in every single one. And then I was like, no, I will not be a stereotypical emotional woman. <laughs> but tears are good. Tears are good. My husband actually preached the message that emotion is not weakness. And he also has cried during messages. <laughs> All right, sorry, I didn't mean to call him out. All right, First Peter chapter 5, let's read verses 6 to 11. Um, I'm going to read a verse, and you guys can read the next. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 to 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, 
who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Amen. Listen, the struggle is temporary. The testing is temporary. The glory that we've been called to, that's eternal. And because that's where we stand on, our confidence should be unshakable, unmoved. Who are you trusting in today? What are you trusting in today? Now, I want to just invite you guys, even this afternoon, to make a fresh commitment to trust in God. With all of your heart, to trust in him. To be confident in him, to be secure in him, to be bold in him.